I'm so glad you're joining me for this episode of Street Soldiers. We're talking about COVID back to school concerns and fall concerns in general. A lot of people had hoped by this point, fall of 2021, that the pandemic would be in our rearview mirror completely and that life, that phrase we keep hearing over and over again that seems increasingly untrue, that life would return to normal again will happen. Well, some parts of life are returning back to normal. We are able to be out and about much more. We're able to move around. Some schools are open. Some schools are offering hybrid opportunities uh, for the students. But there's still a lot of questions because as we've seen, especially in these recent months, this whole way of how we protect ourselves is very much a moving It's just a lot of moving pieces to it. One day it's this, one day it's that, but there are some guiding principles. So that's what we're talking about in this episode of Street Soldiers is how to protect yourself, especially as we move more into indoors mode in the uh, northern part of the country and in the colder areas where it's going to be getting colder. Also, as the kids go back into school, as we try to get out into different activities, social, religious, whatever we're doing, sports, all of that. Um, we're going to find that out. we got an amazing panel with us to do just that. Joining me is Dr. James Schneider. He is the Chief of Pediatric Critical Care at Cohen Children's Medical Center. Dr. Schneider, thank you so much for being with us. We appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. Also with us is Mary Almonte. She is the founder of Young Urban Moms, and she's a mother of two. Mary, great to have you with us. Great to be here. Thank you so much. Also joining us is Dr. Elisa English. She's a clinical therapist. She works with many of the children in our school system. Dr. Elisa, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Dr. Schneider, as you look at where we are in this pandemic, this fall in this particular point, what are your concerns in general in terms of the children and keeping them safe? Well, I think, unfortunately, we have to recognize that, as, uh, as you said, we're the, this pandemic is not in the rearview mirror, and, uh, and children are a part of this. And, and because we have this wonderful vaccine that's safe and effective, most children, school-age children, are not eligible yet for the vaccine. So we, as a community, have to really take a lot of uh, uh, effort to try to mitigate risk of getting them infected. And we do see kids getting infected, unfortunately. So we have you to feel that there's enough there's enough energy and kind of effort and momentum to try to to, to try to get this right. Well, I know there's a lot of effort in, in uh, different areas, particularly in the school districts, trying to prepare to get back to school. Um, I could also understand that this has been going on for a long time, and we're all getting tired of this and kind of fatigued, and we'd like to get back to a normal sense of life. <clears throat> but um, I think shows like this will help to, to try to uh, continue the, the efforts to uh, help us get back to a safe, uh, particularly a safe school year. Okay, great. And we're glad you're joining us. We have a lot of questions, I'm sure. Mary, as a mom and having dealt with this pandemic and the whole, you know, everything that's going on, what is your feeling about where things are in terms of going back to school and just having, you know, some kind of normal life daily routine? So it's a mixture of fear, frustration, um, And I guess trying to hold out hope that there will be some type of normalcy. Um, Last year, my daughter was in her senior year of high school. It was so disappointing. Um, You know, as a parent, I didn't even have answers, right? Every week I'd say, oh, it's going to get better. She was in school for about two months, hybrid. So it was like two days a week, um, very watered down um, before they completely shut school down from, and this was a New York City public school from, uh, I want to say November until February. Um, and then when they went back in March, (laughs) 
it was back to like the hybrid kind of joke of a situation. All of the senior festivities were canceled. Um, I, oh. I took it upon myself to, to host the senior prom because there was no way I was letting my daughter miss a milestone that she was looking forward to <laughs> for since you. she was little. Good for you. <laughs> um, yeah, but I mean, a lot of the, anything that involved food and drink couldn't take place. So, you know, a lot of like, they would have like a senior picnic and all of that was canceled. And of course, you know, as much as I wanted to be super mom, I couldn't replace everything. Um, graduation was split into two. So she didn't even get to graduate with a lot of her friends that she went to school with since BK. So it was a really disappointing year. Um, and now it looks like we're headed <laughs> to another more one. Of the, like more, more, more of the same. Dr. Lisa English, you work, with, you work with a lot of the students in the public school system and, and with, with the children and with the teens. What, where do you see their mental state right now with this kind of like, yes, it's okay. No, it's not okay. This is what you need to do. And then there's always this ongoing controversy in the, uh, just in all these public spaces and social media about what really needs to happen. Yeah, absolutely. And I certainly want to give a huge shout out to the moms like Mary who are trying to make it work <laughs> despite all of the um, lack of normalcy that is going on today. So thank you. Um, this pandemic truly has created conditions that make it very difficult, Lisa, for people to feel regulated, you know, normal and safe. I think she mentioned safety. And I think many children are concerned about their safety and, uh, you know, we don't necessarily have all the answers. So it's important for us to kind of think about what does that mean for them and how do we explain that to them? Um, and then you add in certain historical references like systemic racism and distrust and equity and equality. And this can create the perfect storm for anxiety and trauma. And it's really concerning because if parents and caregivers and instructors, educators aren't necessarily regulated to do the work, how can they optimally serve children and families? And so I think it's important for us to be mindful of the youngsters that are eager to return to school, but that they also need information. And also we need to take lessons that have been learned from this experience. There's youngsters who have social anxiety, who, feel, who felt bullying prior to the pandemic. And so this kind of virtual learning space for the, for the most part has been helpful for them. So we need to also look at some of the lessons learned from all of it. But we do know the best place for students is in the school. And the best way to do that is to continue open and honest communication about safety and risk. This is Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. We'll be right back. Hey, what up, y'all? This is Lloyd, the King of Hearts. And this is Street Soldiers with Lisa Evers. Real issues, real politics, and real people only on Hot 9-7. You did. Welcome back to this episode of Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. We're talking about COVID fall concerns. It's that back-to-school season again. It's that back-to-the-workplace. There's many workplaces as well that have been talking about bringing most of their staff back in for in-person work at their jobs, but now they're having second thoughts. Others are moving forward. Also, if you're a parent, what do you tell your kids? Kids are looking forward to going back to school, but are they going to be happy with what they find when they get there? And how do we keep them safe? That's what we're talking about in this episode of Street Soldiers. Joining me, Dr. James Schneider. He's the Chief of Pediatric Critical Care at Cohen Children's Medical Center. Dr. Schneider, great to have you with us. Thanks again for having me, Lisa. Thank you so much. Also with us is Mary Almonte. She's the founder of Young Urban Moms, a mother of two. Mary, great to have you with us. Thank you for having me. 
Um, Dr. Schneider, one of the big questions that a lot of people are facing right now is the issue of the vaccine. There's still, there's a lot of people that have been vaccinated, especially in the New York City metropolitan area, but there's still many others. And in certain communities, it's a much higher unvaccinated rate. How dangerous is that for everyone, especially considering where we're at in the pandemic right now? Well, that's a really important point. And there really, there are a few things that we know that are going to help us get out of this pandemic and really move on with life. And the best thing we've got is this very safe, very effective vaccine that we just need to try to get the word out and get as many people vaccinated as possible. That is going to be the best way to, uh, to move forward. Mary, how do you feel about the vaccine? And also, is your older child vaccinated? So initially, I was very apprehensive about it. Um, I mean, look, let's be real. As a minority, there's been histories of, of mistrust um, when it comes to vaccines and healthcare in general. Um, and then even as a parent, right? Like a lot of parents that I know, especially in my young urban moms community, um, feel like vaccines lead to autism and other things, right? I know that there are studies that disprove that, but you know, it's, these are still things that are being chattered about and you just don't know. Um, however, what kind of changed my mind um, is that my daughter, who is now starting college in a few weeks, um, was mandated because she's going to live on campus to get vaccinated. So like, if you're not vaccinated as a college student, you can't live on campus and you pretty much can't participate in 90% of the on-campus activities. Right. So when, when, you know, it became evident that she needed to get vaccinated, then I was like, well, if my daughter's going to get it. I'm going to have to get it too. So. And Dr. Schneider, what, what about those concerns? You know, what about those concerns that Mary has about, you know, the, the vaccine they're, they're still out there despite all of the public information we've done many shows on it. You know, there's been a lot of public outreach about it, but how, how do you address those concerns? And both of you, please feel free to jump in and, and interact with each other as well. I think, you know, those are, those are common concerns that we've, we hear. We've been hearing these concerns even before the COVID vaccine ever existed. You know, the, the, the routine childhood vaccinations, that's always been something that we've um, had to, to, uh, to manage. And, and unfortunately, there has been a lot of misinformation over the years um, out there. And, uh, you, you know, the example brought up of the autism in certain um, vaccines. Sure, we know out there that there has been lots of information. In the medical community, we're very confident um, that there, there is no connection, for example, with autism. You know, when it comes to vaccines in general, it, they're probably one of the most studied medical intervention that exists in, in history, frankly. Every vaccine that goes into any arm is monitored, is recorded, and is monitored for, for adverse uh, events, side effects, for example. And so we know, and even with this COVID vaccine now, with hundreds of thousands in, of people in, um, having gotten them, we know very well the safety profile of this vaccine as well as all the other childhood vaccines. So I think it's really on us as the medical community to share the information, um, to, to reach out to all different uh, communities to ensure everyone really understands the, the real science behind it rather than the other piece of mis misinformation that um, is shared throughout different um, forums. Mary, how do you feel about that? Um, and I mean, this sounds great, and I'm really happy to hear Dr. Schneider say that. I mean, it's kind of too late now <laughs> for us, regardless. Um, but, you know, another concern that I'm hearing among, like, my other mom friends is about, you know, females, right? Like, especially when it's our daughters who are, like, right. yet to have children, um, or even other moms who are still in childbearing ages, 
um, you know, a lot of people feel like there isn't enough research on how like your ability to have children or passing something along to your children. Um, you know, like there's a lot of confusion about that. Is there any research yet about that? Sure. It's a great question. If I may jump in, Lisa, that, um, the, uh, cause that is also was a very common, uh, concern, particularly earlier on in the, uh, in the vaccine distribution, you know, being a healthcare provider, I have many female colleagues. And when we were eligible, that was still really early before there were nearly as much data. Um, but now again, because of the thousands and thousands of vaccines that have now been given to women um, throughout the world, we, um, there again is now a lot of data that supports the safety of it, particularly when it comes to childbearing age women. Um, in fact, recently over the last few weeks, um, the American, um, I forget this, the name of the Society of, uh, of Obstetrics and Gynecology, they put out a, a policy statement um, supporting the, uh, the, the receiving of vaccines um, for women of childbearing age. Because again, the data that we have currently is pretty uh, um, compelling. And even we have some data that the neonates, newborns, actually also gain a benefit as well. So um, again, from purely from a scientific perspective, not from an emotional as being a parent, I can imagine where where your uh, where people's heads are in terms of the concerns. Um, it, there's really no question in, in any of our minds. And every one of the my female colleagues that I've been working with for many years, um, who and we've been you know elbow deep in COVID since the beginning in terms of uh, caring for patients, we've all gone and they've all received it because again the data is now much more supportive. And uh, and we also know that women of childbearing age or women who are pregnant who get the infection are much higher risk of having poor outcome. I've cared, even as a pediatric person, I took care of adults for about a month and a half. Uh, last year, we helped take over the, the adult ICU at my adult hospital um, because of the numbers. And I took care of women who were pregnant at the time and, uh, and they were very, very sick. And so uh, the, the risk benefit is in our minds, scientifically, there's no, there is no decision. It's very simple. So, so if you are pregnant, can you get the, uh, if you are pregnant, can you get the, you can get, you can get the vaccine? I believe so. I'm not a, a, an obstetrician, but I'm pretty confident you can, and I would double check with your obstetrician. For sure. Mary, what about what about as we hear about this Delta variant coming out now? So that is super scary, um, especially as a parent, because I, and again, I could be misinformed, but this is what's going around. No, in, let's get it. Let's moms. let's clear it out that we got Dr. Schneider here, and let's we got you. It. So let's yes. We'll, we'll, do it. So from what I'm hearing, it seems like kids are actually getting more sick from the Delta variant as opposed to the strains of, of COVID that were out before. Is that true? Dr. Schneider, what about that? So nationally, we are seeing that the, you know, the, uh, the incidence of infections in children are, are definitely going up compared to earlier on. I think partly it's because kids are the, the most vulnerable because the under 12 year age population, obviously they're not yet eligible. They will be hopefully soon, but they're not yet eligible. So they're unvaccinated, already at, um, um, vulnerable. Um, but we are seeing a, a very high rate of, of infection in kids. And um, and yes, we are seeing uh, kids get quite ill from this. You know, this Delta variant has really changed the, uh, the landscape of what we thought of. And so the things that we finally learned and uh, about COVID when it first appeared, um, really is, is changing now. And so we're learning more constantly because this Delta variant has really, uh, it's shown to be quite much more contagious um, and it seems to be more virulent as well, meaning kids, kids and adults are getting sicker with it. More of a reason why this conversation is really important to help spread the, the, the information that, that getting the vaccine is uh, critically important, even if you've had COVID in the past. Um, and because the vaccines that we currently have are effective. And the problem is if we don't 
get this under control soon, at some point, nature will take its course and this virus will continue to mutate because that's what viruses do. They mutate naturally and then they may become less uh, affected and, and really evade the vaccine protection that we currently have. All right, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to find out more about how we can protect ourselves, how we can protect our children, how we can prepare for the fall so that we just don't go through a whole depressive state again, you know, still still dealing with this, how we can beat this. And is are we having an issue with being too individualistic versus the whole best health and best measures for everybody? We're going to talk about that with our guests when we come back. This is Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. We'll be right back. Yeah, 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 yeah. Salute. This is General Steele from Smith & Wesson. And right now you're listening to Street Soldiers with your girl, Lisa Evers. Real issues, real politics, and real people. Only on Hot 97. Welcome back to this episode of Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. It's back to school time. It's back to the office and back to the job site for a lot of people. But how do you know when you're really safe? How do you know what to do to keep yourself and your family safe? That's what we're talking about with our panel. Joining me is Dr. James Schneider. He's the Chief of Pediatric Critical Care at Cohen Children's Medical Center. Dr. Schneider, great to have you with us. Nice to be here, Lisa. Thank you. Thank you so much. Also with us is Mary Almonte. She's the founder of Young Urban Moms. She's also mother of two. Mary, great to have you with us. Great to be here. Thank you. Mary, as a, as a mom, how do, you, how do you know when your kids are sick from something that is just, you know, like a, something they'll get over, a little cold or a mild flu or something like that, or something more serious where you need to call the doctor? Well, you just know <laughs> when they're off their game, when they're not themselves, um, you, you know. But to be honest with you, it's scary no matter what, even if it's a simple cold. Um, you know, when you see your kids out of it, it's, you know, you never know. Now during the time of COVID, it's the first thought that's in your head, right? And so um, myself and my whole family actually had COVID, including my kids. Wow. Um, interestingly, my son, who is 10, had no symptoms. My teenage daughter just had a runny nose. Um, and then myself and my husband were like praying that we didn't die. <laughs> so you were very sick. No, and I'm, I'm so glad to, I'm so glad to see you doing so well now and looking so great. Thank you. And thank you for your well wishes when I was actually going through it. Um, you know, it meant a lot. But yeah, I mean, so that's also a really scary and, and confusing thing, too, because you're like, OK, everyone gets it differently. Everyone has different symptoms. Um, thankfully, I was so happy that my kids were not as sick as I was. But now with the Delta variant, it seems like it is hitting kids in a harder way. And so that's something I'm very concerned about is we're going back to school. And, you know, you're hearing about schools that have started earlier already, like across the country, and they're having to shut down again, or they're just continuing through it and having COVID cases. So no, I'm it, scared. It, no, Dr. Schneider, what, let, let's a couple of things. So it, it is the Delta variant more contagious among children than, than what we saw with COVID-19? Uh, yes. In fact, that's one of the, the characteristics of Delta, which is making this a much uh, much newer kind of disease that we have to think of. Uh, and it's very different than what the original COVID infection was like. It's much more contagious. Um, and so we have to be even that much more um, strict with our precautionary uh, practices to really mitigate risk of catching it. It's much more contagious. And then in, term, in terms of symptoms, because that was the first thing, you know, when COVID-19 came out, you know, out two months in, they, they were, if there's no silver lining, but because it was such a deadly it's, it's such a deadly disease, but 
the fact that children were not not large numbers of children were getting were getting sick gave a lot of people a, you know at least some comfort but in terms of the symptoms how do you you know cuz there is a fine line there's people that that we've heard stories of these kids that they they seem like they're coming down with the flu or whatever and then like 6 hours later they're on a ventilator in, in, you know in a, in a pediatric ICU how do you as a parent decide you know, is, is there any combo of symptoms that pe- that parents should be looking for? To help us understand that. Right. Yeah. That, and that's, uh, that's the, the, the very challenging problem that we, we as parents face, um, uh, you know, earlier on when this all started, um, as we immediately were masking and social distancing, um, all the other common pediatric or childhood infections, think, you know, common cold viruses, other types of viruses that lead to bad respiratory or fever um, illnesses, they almost vanished. They really went away. Um, um, and, uh, and so the kids who came in with, with fever, with um, breathing problems, with gastrointestinal problems, um, it was pretty likely that they may, it was going, going to be COVID. And we had a test, thankfully, that became quite uh, available. The challenge now is that all those other viruses, now that things have kind of loosened up a bit, people are out and about a little bit more, the, the um, strict use of masks have clearly gone by the wayside um, in a lot of public settings. Oh, yeah. And so we, and this is true not only here in New York, but across the country, across the world, um, we as pediatric uh, clinicians, we are seeing an enormous amount of all those other viruses and all those other infections. And the problem is, as you alluded to, a lot of the symptoms are very similar. They overlap a lot. So really, essentially, any child who has cold-like symptoms, has a fever, may have coughing, wheezing, any respiratory symptom, has gastrointestinal symptoms like vomiting or diarrhea, at this point, you should just get yourself tested. Two weeks ago, my son and myself had what looked like a crummy cold, but because of what's going on, we were tested. Thankfully, we were negative. However, you just don't know. There's too much overlap. And so we, every child who comes into our hospital and probably every hospital at this point across the country, that gets that's part of the normal panel of testing um, to see if there is a COVID infection or not. So, so would you recommend to parents if they have any concerns? Because, to, honestly, and no, because doctors are very, very busy. It's like it's it's not that hard now to get a co- you know to get a COVID test. There's so many that are free. There's so many places where you can go and get one that they should they should just automatically go and get a test. I think if, they, if they're concerned, like the you know if the child is exhibiting sim- symptoms. I, I would think so. Um, you know, like I said, I did it myself with my son um, because it, it, you just don't know. It's, and, and because the incidence now continues to rise on a daily basis, um, and we see daily numbers both uh, locally and regionally, um, and we know that the virus is, is still very prevalent. And so um, to be safe, not only for yourself, but for your family, if you have particularly have higher risk people in the household, um, those who can't be vaccinated, those who are immunocompromised, those who have other significant risk factors, you want to know um, to keep them safe because you would it would change what you do in your household just to protect them, let alone what you do in the community. Mary, what do you do? I mean, you and your husband, and you've been public about it, you know, had COVID, went through it. What do you want people to understand about, the, about this, considering there's still people who are in denial about it, that it exists, that it's real? And so that's where I was going to start, right? For starters, it is real. Um, I feel like it was politicized. I, I still don't quite know why. Um, in the beginning, um, you know, when you travel to certain other states, um, you know, I traveled in February to Florida. We were all wearing masks because at that time, New York was still very strict about mask wearing. We were looked at like we had five heads. Um so it really did feel almost like, you know, you were being ostracized or judged 
based on your decision to take COVID seriously. Um, and then sure enough, <laughs> a lot of people that, you know, weren't taking it seriously ended up with it. And now their views have changed. So I do think like, don't play Russian roulette with this, take all the precautions. Um, it's not something I would ever want to sign up to have again. It was horrible. Um, and honestly, as a parent, you really wouldn't want to see your kids suffering. Go so that. yeah, honestly, be, be realistic and, and take this seriously. All right. We're going to take a short break. This is Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. We'll be right back. What up? This is Trey Songz, and this is Street Soldiers with Lisa Evers. Real issues, real politics, real people, only on Hot 9-7. Welcome back to this episode of Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. We're talking about fall COVID concerns. How do we protect ourselves? How do we protect our children as they're going back to school, going off to college? Many of us are going back to on-site jobs places that have been closed for months and months and months. Now we're back with a lot of people. How do we deal with that and protect ourselves? That's what we're talking about with our panel. Joining me, Dr. James Schneider. He is the Chief of Pediatric Critical Care at Cohen Children's Medical Center. Dr. Schneider, great to have you with us. Thank you, Lisa. Nice to be here. Thank you so much. Also with us is Mary Almonte. She's the founder of Young Urban Moms and a mother of two. Mary, thanks so much for being with us. Thank you for having me. We we, we appreciate it. Dr. Schneider, the... Uh, you know, there, it has been politicized. This whole co- the whole pandemic has been pol- politicized, and that's been almost as big a running theme as the public health concern. Help us understand why do we need to get the vast majority of Americans vaccinated now? Uh, the simple answer is because we're never going to get through this and get back to normal unless we get enough of what you keep hearing the term herd immunity. Enough people who have who have protection against this virus so the virus just can't spread. And so there is a public health emergency, frankly, right now to be able to get there, to achieve that so we can finally get back to some sense of normalcy. Mary, what do you say to, what do you say to some of the moms in your group who are just like, I'm not, I'm not doing this. I'm not getting involved. I don't want to get vaccinated. So, I mean, I know it sounds corny, but we really are all in this together. Um, and yes, like, you know, it is a personal choice, but your personal choice will impact everyone. So, um, you know, it truly is an act of selfishness at this point to not take any kind of action towards, you know, fighting this and, and really, uh, you know, being protected. Um, and also, I mean, if you want to be selfish (laughs) and take that approach, you definitely don't want to have COVID. I mean, you know, I'm very vocal about my experience with it. It was not a walk in the park. And, um, you know, I think that more people need to be honest. I feel like there's a little bit of a stigma too. I know people who had COVID and would hide it and don't want anyone to know. And it's like, I feel like the only way anything changes is by being honest and, you know, sharing your experience. So, no, and, and you did, and you did it publicly on your social media, which was, which I think was really great for people and inspiring for people. Cause we all know all the great things that you do and, you know, your lifestyle and everything to see somebody healthy, that, that, you know, that is out there and then to be able to get it, you know, to, to catch it and go through such an ordeal. But we, we really appreciate you speaking out and having the courage to do that. Cause at this time it does take, take, takes a lot of guts to do that. I think in this climate right now. So my, Thank my you. hat, my street soldiers hat off to you. <laughs> Dr. Schneider, in, ter- in terms of we're here, let me ask you this and, and help us understand this, the variants people with the Delta variant. Now it's going after the kids is there some other variant around the corner as long as we still have this virus circulating? Is the, does it like mutate and then like some evil, you know, evil force become even more virulent and, and stronger and more deadly? 
So that's the natural um, lifespan or, or natural goal of a virus. If if a virus is allowed to spread from host to host to host, it will naturally mutate. That's just what they do. Their job is to replicate. And so um, if we don't get this under control, if we can't contain Delta with vaccinations, with other mitigating measures, invariably they will likely, not definitely, but likely be another uh, a mutation that leads to another uh, variant that may be, not necessarily, but may be more dangerous, may be more contagious, may cause more serious illness. And so, which is really one of the main reasons why we have to get this under control as soon as possible. And then what about these, Mary, have you thought about the, what do you think about the booster shot? Oh, it's funny you asked me that because I was really just thinking like, is COVID going to be something that we're going to have to continually get vaccinated against? Will we have a COVID vaccine for kids as part of like the standard lineup of vaccines that we give them? Um, I mean, honestly, it's it's not something I'm looking forward to. I just don't, who likes shots, right? Who wants right. to get a shot? But I mean, I'd love to ask Dr. Schneider if you see that on the horizon. Is this going to be something we're going to have to get like a flu shot? I think it's very likely, and it's hard to say for sure, but I think it's likely that this virus will be around for some time now. Uh, and when I say some time, maybe years. That, And it may get to the point, at least my understanding of, uh, of how things are evolving, that it may get to a point where we may need um, a vaccine on an annual basis, just like the flu shot. You know, you don't want the flu because we know it kills hundreds of people every year. Right. And if you get the flu shot, you still can get the flu. But we also know very clearly that it will, you'll have a much lower, uh, or less, less severe illness. And that's true with even the COVID vaccine. You, you can still get it. However, those who get it don't, ne- don't get nearly as severe an illness. If you look at those hospitalized right now and those who are dying, almost, in, almost universally, they're unvaccinated people. So, um, so to, to uh, you know, back to the question, I think it's quite possible that we're going to need um, back, uh, we're going to need boosters. And we know that the data right now is showing that, that the, the immunity from our original vaccines is starting to wane a little bit, um, enough that it's why now just recently, as of this week, we know that boosters are going to be recommended. And I, I would imagine that's probably going to be the case going forward. Mary, how do you feel, how do you feel about that in, ter- in, in terms of this becoming a regular thing? I mean, it's discouraging for sure. Um, you know, by now we all thought this would be a thing of the past and we'd right. be, it would be behind us. So it really is um, disappointing to say the least that like we're going into another school year with this uncertainty and feeling like this is just going to become life. Um, I really hope it doesn't. <laughs> I mean, I'm still trying to hold out hope, but yeah, I mean, it's hard to, as a mom, as a parent, it's your job to kind of give encouragement and, and hope and positivity to your yes, kids. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And, and let them, yeah. And it's hard to do that right now. Um, and I feel like, you know, I was, I was uh, this time last year, I was really trying to be hopeful. And I think that, you know, I was proven wrong. <laughs> so now no one trusts mom. Um, but yeah, but listen, I mean, we're, we're lear- we've definitely learned. It's not to you, live it's with the it. world. It's, a, it's what we're dealing with, you know? Yeah, I know. But I mean, it's like, it's become second nature for my son who's 10 to grab a mask whenever we're going out of the door. And it's like, on the one hand, it's like, Oh wow. Like he adapted. I'm proud of him for that. But on the other hand, it is kind of depressing too, to think like wearing a mask is now normal to him. So, yeah. Dr. Schneider, what about the daily practices that like, like certain tips, because that was, that was, I'll say that was one of the one, something that came out of the, uh, what we've gone through these last, this last year and a half 
is that we realize how dirty everything really is. <laughs> and you realize how many people don't really wash their hands when they're coming out of the bathroom. And, and all of these, you know, you start thinking about dirty doorknobs and, and, and things like that. But the, um, are there, are there certain protocol? Mary talk about her son, you know, he, he just wears the mask. That's like, you know, putting on my sneakers. I put on the mask and put on my shoes and go out. Are there, are there certain little things like that that you think should just be in a daily routine for every, you know, especially for parents with the kids? Yeah. And I think uh, it's a great question. I think you touched on a lot of them, which is um, we just have to decrease the opportunity for a virus to spread. And so what do we do? We have to wear a mask when you're in public settings. And even right now, we know even if you're vaccinated, you need to wear a mask. Um, hand hygiene is still really important. So, you know, I'm sure every, every one of us have in our cars a little bottle of hand gel. So if we happen to come out of a store or restaurant um, and, and, and when we're in school settings that, you know, the school needs to set up situations where masks are, are mandatory. Those are the recommendations handed down by the CDC and the American, American Academy of Pediatrics. Um, and to, you know, and, and I think it's really important to an earlier comment that we're all in this together. This is, this is not personal choice. This is public health which is different than personal health, right? We, and that's, that's the beauty of our society. We have an open society. We have the opportunities to make choices for ourselves. However, certain things we still, as an open society, don't get to make choices. If you want to drive a car, you don't get the choice of whether or not you want to stop at a red light or a stop sign. Right, exactly. We may want to drive 90, but that's, you're, put, you're endangering yourself and everybody else. It keeps you and everybody else safe. And that's how we maintain this open, free opportunistic society that we have. But there, so there are certain things that we just have to all understand that there are personal choices, which are, are really important. That's what makes us who we are. But there are public choices that, that we just have to understand that that's how we live together, healthfully, happily, safely. No, absolutely. And then let me just touch on before, um, before we close, let me just touch on the, uh, the, the workplace scenario. Mary, in, ter in terms of your work, your job, and the things that you do and and the, and the moms in the group who, who are working outside of the home, in terms of concerns about that, any thoughts? Oh, of course. Um, so I, I wear many hats. So for right. my main uh, source of employment, I work remotely and that really isn't going to change. So that's cool. But I also do real estate um, on the side. And that was really my sustaining uh, form of employment during um, covid and I, you know, it was scary all the time because I was going out interacting with people, but I was also very conscious of the things that, you know, we had talked about, like wearing a mask, having sanitizer, to be honest with you, um, you know, the real estate industry actually had very strict, um, you know, requirements in terms right. of safety for COVID. Like you have to wipe down handles and doorknobs and everything. Like if you're conducting a showing, so that was pretty cool. And I hope that doesn't change to be honest with you. Um, you know, like to a previous point, there are some things that we should just continue to do. And it really did open your eyes. Um, but then, so yes, everyone, a lot of people are a worried about safety going back into workplaces, but also a lot of people, especially moms have found a lot of positivity in working from home, being there for their kids yes. and don't want to go back for those reasons. So it's going to be interesting. I know other moms that have declined to return and in turn have like negotiated exit strategies because they, you know, don't want to go back into an office. And now it's been proven that you can get your job done without commuting, especially when you live in like the outer boroughs surrounding the city. 
Um, so many people have relocated even right. like, you know, during COVID because it's like, oh, we're not going in. I don't need to pay such high rent mortgage to be so to close in. to the job. Right. Exactly. exactly. So now that we're all being told to go back, it's it's kind of a very interesting adjustment. For sure. and, and, and Dr. Schneider, what what about in terms, you know, for in, in terms of the workplace too? Do we still need to socially distance and try to stay out of crowded elevators and try to avoid crowds indoors? Is, does that still give us a little bit of protection with this Delta variant? It actually gives us a lot of protection. I think you know we know that wearing masks and keeping at least three feet—that's what the CDC will recommend, um, in, particularly in indoor settings. Um, again, this Delta variant is much more contagious, so we, it's really that much more important that we maintain those levels of, uh, of adherence to recommendations. Um, and 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 there, that's why a lot of the uh, a lot of employers, you know, definitely in hospitals, it's it's absolutely strict that you walk into the hospital, you must put a mask on. Um, and uh, yeah, we we limit the number of people who are allowed in in conference rooms, in in, in break rooms, um, because we have to uh, take this seriously. And then do you, do you, do you think these rules now where a lot of workplaces are requiring vaccinations, a lot of public places in New York City, the uh, requiring vaccination to go indoors, do you think that will have an impact, positive impact? I, th- I think it will. I think, again, we have to limit the opportunity for a virus to find a host who is vulnerable, which means they don't have any immunity or they don't have and they have a, an opportunity to get into the body, which is through the mouth. Uh, and through the through the nose, and so uh, it, it scientifically it should work. It had clearly worked in the past. You know, we've seen big spikes earlier in the pandemic, and by really being strict about these measures, then the the number of cases went down dramatically. And then as we loosened up a bit, um, it it took off again. We're seeing that right now play out in in this in other schools that are already open in the country that aren't following the guidelines as recommended, and we're seeing very significant um, increases of, of cases. And infections, which is uh, um, really disheartening. We really need to uh, get back to uh, basics. Definitely. And Mary, as a COVID survivor, do you feel that these vaccination requirements to go into public places, the way New York City become the first in the country to require this restaurants, gyms, uh, theaters, that type of thing, does that does that give you some confidence or how do you feel about that? It actually does give me some confidence. Um, I feel like it's unfortunate that if... <laughs> I mean, it feels like people are now being forced into getting the vaccine um, rather than voluntarily, you know, having the public's best interest at heart. But it does give me confidence. Um, I know I could tell you being in places where recently, even though it's outdoors, where it's crowded, it's like, you know what? This just looks like yeah. a whole lot of COVID. Right, exactly. <laughs> like when this you looks go like in a there. Super, potential super spreader. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And, and Dr. Schneider, what, what one last, I promise you this is the last question. The, um, is, is it true? Is it is true or false? It just takes one exposure to somebody that to, to, to get, to get COVID or to get the Delta variant, whatever we're, we're calling it now. It, it, it very much may be just one exposure. We know it's cumulative exposure, which is really, um, adds to your risk, but it may just take one exposure. And I think we've seen it play out in, in earlier part of the pandemic with the different uh, variants, now with Delta being much more contagious, um, it's, it definitely just uh, doesn't take much. It really takes one, one incident of uh, letting your guard down. All right. Well, Dr. James Schneider, thank you so much for being with us. I really appreciate it. Mary Almonte, great to have you with us again. Young, shout out to all the young urban moms and all the moms and grandmoms and everybody. And thank you for joining us for this episode of Street Soldiers. I'm Lisa Evers. Remember, use your mind. It's your best weapon. I hope it's your only weapon. Let's push for peace, love, and good health for all.